Friends, 11,700 years ago, the Holocene began. This geological epoch marked the end of the last major ice age. The Holocene is the official epoch that we are living into. However, our time in the Holocene began to shift a little over 70 years ago when scientists found radioactive particles in soil around the globe. These particles, the remnants of nuclear testing and the dropping of nuclear bombs during World War II. Human action had changed the environment. Thus, scientists determined a new, albeit unofficial, and largely unrecognized geological epoch had been entered. They called this the Anthropocene. The Anthropocene marks a time in which human activity has a significant impact on the Earth's ecosystems, enough to be marked geologically. Although we are just beginning to walk through the doors of this new era, we are already seeing the impact. Coastal flooding, drought, climate refugees, and most recently for many of us, red skies thick with smoke from Canadian wildfires. A few weeks ago, when smoke was just beginning to descend over Connecticut, I was outside playing in the driveway with a three-year-old I babysit. As the sky slowly turned from hazy to smoke-filled, blue to orange, I wondered what this world looks like through the eyes of our little ones, our young people, what do we make of this future that we are on the edge of? Today, I want to talk about what it means to welcome each other into the Anthropocene. Namely, what does it mean and how does it feel to stand where we are at this moment in time and hold the uncertainty of our collective future together? What does it mean to be a prophet in the age of the Anthropocene? And is it possible to imagine a future where we are more connected than less? Where our relationships to the land are deep and rich, where we praise the abundance of this beautiful earth? In our scripture for today, we find Jesus commissioning his disciples to continue his work on earth. Throughout the Gospel of Matthew, we are reminded continuously that Jesus came not to abolish, but rather to fulfill the law of God and the visions of the prophets. The law provides guidelines for how to be in right relationship with both God and neighbor. The prophets show God's vision for all of creation. And through their stories, the prophets encourage listeners that the vision of God's kingdom is possible. Our scripture calls for welcoming in these stories, these prophets. In the age of the climate crisis, who are our prophets? And how are we welcoming them in? In this scripture, to welcome someone in is to show them hospitality. Welcome is an active verb. It requires an interaction, an exchange. 
Welcome also requires imagination. In order to welcome someone in, we must, if only for a moment, imagine this person as someone who already belongs. Whoever welcomes a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. What is this reward? Some point to previous scripture in Matthew 10.32, everyone, therefore, who acknowledges me before others, I also will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. If you welcome each person as Jesus, as a prophet, you will also be recognized and welcomed. Witnessing each other leads to belonging. Our reward is being in community with others. This past week, 45 million people, or 14% of this country, experienced dangerous levels of heat in their community. How do we welcome those experiences? those alarm bells. In 2018, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change published a landmark report stating that we had 12 years left to dramatically change the way that we were living in the world and slash carbon emissions in order to curb the worst impacts of climate change and limit global warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius. This report catalyzed so many people, so many activists, myself included, to begin working towards climate solutions. Now, five years later, in 2023, the same scientists, now with more people paying attention, say that it is likely that we will surpass this 1.5 degree threshold in the next 10 to 15 years. Profits among us. Rising heat will not impact all of us the same. We know that those who have contributed the least to climate change will bear the brunt of climate devastation in the coming years. Namely, people from countries who have been marginalized and abused for centuries. In our own country, we will see climate devastation the most in our cities with urban heat islands, where heat is trapped in concrete, and where homes are in poor condition, oftentimes without appropriate insulation and energy efficiency. To be clear, climate change has and will continue to impact people of color and poor people the most, especially women and children. We often need to see something and experience it for ourselves before we can believe it the smoky skies, the eroded shorelines. Okay, now we will believe. We tell the scientists, the young people calling for change, the leaders of other countries, too much, too fast, too soon. We say, we don't have to be worried about that here. And we turn away, distracting ourselves. I think this response is the normal way that humans have evolved to process things they find overwhelming. Come back later. Can we talk about this another time? Or my favorite, fingers in the ears. La 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 la. <laughs> but what I'm curious about 
is what is possible if we turn towards that which is unknown, if we embrace it fully, even if we are scared. So how do we, in Fairfield, Connecticut, provide welcome to these voices and experiences? How do we attune to the prophets among us? First, I believe we tell stories like we're telling now, reminding ourselves collectively of where we have come from, remembering that we have done hard things before. Second, we engage, we work to be in relationship with those in this congregation and those we have yet to meet, actively seeking out connection and responding to the needs right in front of us. And third, we bring curiosity into our relationships. We welcome each person we interact with as someone who already belongs. And in doing so, we engage in the long history of prophets. Theologian Walter Brueggemann writes, the prophet engages in futuring fantasy. The prophet does not ask if the vision can be implemented for questions of implementation are of no consequence until the vision can be imagined. The imagination must come before the implementation. Our culture is competent to implement almost anything and to imagine almost nothing. Imagination is a danger. Every regime is frightened of the artist. Therefore, it is the vocation of the prophet to keep alive the ministry of imagination, to keep on conjuring and proposing futures alternative. End quote. I want to repeat the first and last lines of Walter's words for you. The prophet engages in futuring fantasy. It is the vocation of the prophet to keep alive the ministry of imagination, to keep on conjuring and proposing future alternatives. Let us remember and name the reality of what we as humans have done to this earth. Let us witness the predictions of our future let us sit with those among us who have experienced climate devastation, and then together, let us imagine something different. The late and great congressman and activist John Lewis spoke of the beloved community. He said, beloved means not hateful, not violent, not uncaring, not unkind. And community means not separated, not polarized, not locked in struggle. You live as if you're already there, that you're already in that community, part of that sense of one family, one house. If you visualize it, if you can even have faith that it's there, for you, it already is. We are both simultaneously imagining and arriving in beloved community. 
one in which we are both creating and living into right relationship with each other and the land. So welcome, welcome, welcome to the past, present, and future. Welcome to the stranger that is no longer a stranger. Welcome to the curious and compassionate, the afraid and the angry. You belong here because you, we have always been tied together. We sometimes just have forgotten that we are. In the age of the Anthropocene, how do we encourage the prophetic in our ministry? Remember this scripture and story today. Whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of a disciple. Bring a cup of cold water to the young people in your lives and ask them to tell you a story about the future. Bring a cup of cold water to the elders in your life and ask them to tell you a story about the past. Listen, you are in beloved community. I want to end with a poem because like Walter, I believe that creating art is an act of hope and prophecy. This poem comes from Denise Levertov's book, Candles in Babylon, though I am reading it from a book that I think many of you maybe would enjoy. It's called The Planet You Inherit, and it's by Larry Rasmussen, um, and it is called Beginners. But we have only begun to love the earth. We have only begun to imagine the fullness of life. How could we tire of hope? So much is in bud. How can desire fail? We have only begun to imagine justice and mercy, only begun to envision how it might be to live as siblings with beast and flower, not as oppressors. Surely, our river cannot already be hastening into the sea of non-being. Surely it cannot drag in the silt all that is innocent. Not yet. Not yet. There is too much broken that must be mended. Too much hurt that we have done to each other that cannot yet be forgiven. We have only begun to know the power that is in us if we would join our solitudes in the communion of struggle. So much is unfolding that must complete its gesture. So much is in bud. Friends, let us welcome in all that is in bud. Thanks be to God.